Hey there, everybody. Uh, good to see you. Welcome to our virtual service here at Redeemer. My name is Drew Bennett. I'm one of the pastors here. I've got my summer haircut that everybody hates but that I love, so I'm feeling good this morning, uh, and it's a real pleasure uh, to be with you. Looking forward to the time when we get to be able to be back together doing this in person, but until now, I'm so grateful for this chance to, uh, to be together in this format. You know, I've had so many people tell me that they feel like they're trapped inside the Bill Murray movie Groundhog Day, going round and round, doing the same thing day after day and not getting anywhere with no end in sight. And that's a hard thing. And it's the hard thing, I think, emotionally about uh, this time that we're facing. These people, most of us, all of us, were stuck at home. And being stuck at home can make you just feel stuck. Do you ever feel like you're stuck? Like you can't break out of the same old patterns of behavior. Does it ever feel like the world is just going round and round and not really going anywhere? Just the same old, same old all the time. Well, I've got good news. And here it is. In the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God set a demolition charge in the world to reduce the old stones of corruption and decay to dust so that he could rebuild a new world on top of the old. Jesus' ascension, his going away into heaven, is the detonator. And the Holy Spirit coming down from heaven is the explosion. And so in this series we've been doing in the last few weeks about the gospel of Jesus, we've been talking about his life and his death and his resurrection. Last week we looked at his ascension and this morning we were going to see uh, that the spirit of Jesus has now come into the world, and that's part of the good news. And so if you have a Bible and you want to turn with me, or if you want to just read along on the screen as the words are there for you, we're going to look at this event of the Spirit's coming, both from Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, and then some of Paul's reflections to the Galatians from Galatians chapter 3. Uh, and we'll be in both of those places as we talk about the coming of the Spirit into the world. Uh, so read with me, beginning in, in Acts chapter 1. Hear the word of the Lord. While staying with them, he ordered them, that's Jesus, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And just a few days later, in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were seated seating and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and then Paul writing to the Galatians said this "O foolish Galatians who has bewitched you it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified let me ask you only this did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith are you so foolish Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you work miracles among you? Does he do so by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. This is God's word. And so the Holy Spirit... Now, one of the things you need to know is that the Holy Spirit in Christian theology is not a force like in the Star Wars movies. 
He is the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Spirit was there at the creation of the world, hovering over the chaotic waters in Genesis chapter 1, with life-giving power that with a mere word became galaxies and stars and atmosphere and land and plants and animals and everything else that now is. And he is now busy in the new creation, renewing and empowering all who belong to Jesus by faith, and then through them beginning the rebuilding project that will result when Jesus returns in God's new world, where heaven and earth, as we've been saying, come together as one whole. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, because if I go, I will send my spirit to you. Jesus Christ came into the world and died on the cross and rose on the third day and ascended into heaven. He accomplished all of that great work so that he could send the Spirit into the world because the Spirit of Jesus inside you is better than the person of Jesus beside you. Let me say that again. The Spirit of Jesus inside you is better than the person of Jesus beside you. That's what he says there in John chapter 16, verse 7. And so we are left to realize that the Spirit coming was the point all along. The Spirit of Jesus is just as much a part of the good news of Christianity as his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. And I have three reasons why that is the case. These three reasons. The good news of the Spirit is really in these three things. It's good news because, first, it's outside power coming in. Secondly, the Spirit is the supernatural change to get started. And thirdly, The coming of the Spirit means daily grace to keep going. Those three things. The Spirit coming is good news because His coming means outside power coming in, supernatural change to get started, and daily grace to keep going. And so let's look at each of those in turn as we walk through these texts together. First, the Spirit is outside power coming in. And I've said this before, but when you're stuck... Like in the middle of a cow pasture after a week of rain, stuck. And you try to get yourself unstuck, what happens? You just get more stuck. There's only one way to get unstuck when you're stuck like that. You have to tie yourself off to someone who has the horsepower in their truck to pull you out. And that's exactly what happened here in Acts chapter 2. So let's read again, beginning in verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived... They were all together, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, it says. Now, this was not an internal psychological or emotional experience. Uh, It says there that this wind, this breath, this ruach, the Spirit of God came from outside, from outside of the world, coming into the world to get the world unstuck. Now, we're prone to think that the problem is out there, And the solution is in here. And so salvation is not outside power coming in, but rather inside power getting out. The great project of secularism, which our culture is in the grips of, is self-actualization. And it says this, there are outside oppressive forces, ideologies and institutions that are holding you back and you've got to break free. And the authentic self Getting out, coming out is the new heroic narrative. We celebrate people in our culture who have the courage to live as their true selves in the world, speaking their truth, living their truth, because we believe largely that 
the power source we have to connect with is not outside of us, but actually deep within us. It's not any different, unfortunately, with religious people. A religious person believes differently than a secular person that the problem is the sin within them, but they believe similar to the secular person that the solution also comes from within. That religion is trying and relying on your inner strength and moral character to change and become the kind of person that God approves of. And we read, actually, in this passage in Galatians 3 about those who rely on works of the law. Their hope and confidence come from their own moral efforts. They've tried hard and failed, but all they need to do is to try harder. But you know, that doesn't sound like good news to me. Does it to you? But you see, Christianity is good news of outside power that can come in. The problem is in here. And the solution has to come from out there. And it's exactly what we see happening in Acts. The Holy Spirit came into the world from outside of the world, not only to move the world forward towards God's new world. See, the world is not stuck. The universe is actually accelerating. Scientists tell us this. But the Spirit does not only come into the world, he can come into your life as an explosion of spiritual power to demolish all of the old stuff and make you new. You don't have to be stuck either. Now let's expand on this a little bit more and see, secondly, the Spirit's coming is good news, not only because it means there's outside power that can come in, but it also brings supernatural change to get started. In Acts chapter 1, before Pentecost, Jesus reminded the disciples that they wouldn't change the world until they themselves were first changed. Look there at those verses, verses 4 and 5. While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, he says, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which is, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. These men were shortly going to change the world, but first they had to be changed. And they were. The Peter we see in the very next chapter in Acts chapter 2 looks nothing like the Peter we read about in the Gospels. And the other disciples too. And this is the story, to one degree or another, of every true believer. And it begins with supernatural power to change you in order to be changed. In Galatians 3, Paul makes clear that spiritual life begins with God. Verse 3, having begun... By the Spirit, he says. And so if you have a relationship with God, it's because he made the first move. It's an important point to make. You can't come to God in faith until he first comes to you. You won't seek him unless he is already seeking you. Every person who believes has already, before they believe, been powerfully changed by the Spirit. And that change is the beginning of the spiritual life in a person. It's your own personal big bang, if you, if you would like. And so in order to change, you have to be changed. That's where it starts. Now in theology, we call this conversion or the new birth. And so in John chapter 3, Jesus taught that in order to be a person of genuine spiritual life and power, you have to be born again. The spirit has to give birth. It has to birth spiritual life in you. Now, why is this important? Well, because it shows that Christianity is more than just a moral philosophy. Christianity isn't getting religion, so to speak. It isn't replacing bad behavior with good behavior. It's so much more than that. A Christian isn't a good person who used to be a bad person. A Christian is 
a spiritually alive person who used to be spiritually dead. And that's true in 100% of the cases. Baptism doesn't make you a Christian. Neither does going to church. Neither does following the rules. You have to be born again. You have to be born again. Now I belabor this because there are lots of religious folks who think that they are Christians because they're good. But goodness is not the test. Spiritual power is. And by that I mean genuine love for God and others. Passion. A hunger for spiritual food. Humility. Freedom to serve others and not yourself. The signs of spiritual life bubbling up and coming out of you in these things. Now I have great news. And the great news is that if you've had an experience like this, like the one I'm talking about, a conversion, then that means wherever you are in the process, that there is a you that you were, and then there's the you that you're becoming. And there may be periods where you feel like you're not making much progress, where it feels like you're just going around and around and around, but it's happening. And I know that because that supernatural change that got you started can't be stopped. And so much of Christian ethics, by the way, is just catching up to what God has already done in us. We are holy, the Bible says, but he tells us to be holy. He makes us holy and then tells us to be holy. And so we spend our lives trying to catch up with what God has already accomplished. Sanctification is becoming in real time the people God has already made us by his love. But I have more great news. If you haven't had an experience like this, if you, if you, if you don't look back on your life and say, I've had this powerful, radical change in conversion, listen, you can. All you have to do is ask. Say to God, I need a new heart. I need more than just renewed moral strength and fortitude. I, I need you to change me deep on the inside so that I can begin to change. Like the disciples in Acts, find some place to get alone and get on your knees and don't get up until the power comes. You'll know when it happens. And then get started. But don't start without first being changed. Because that's not the way it works. But thirdly, the Spirit is the good news of outside power that can come in and good news of supernatural change to get you started. But thirdly, and probably most importantly, is that the, the Spirit coming is the good news of daily grace to keep going. And that really is the main point of the Galatians 3 text. Look there, he says, Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Don't get caught up with that word perfect. It means maturity or getting to the end, ending. Paul is describing a person who started out in the right way. They started out relying upon the power of the Spirit for their life, but for whatever reason, they fell back into trusting in their flesh. And that word refers to human strength and smarts and strategies apart from God. You might remember this was the problem with the Galatian church. They had been taught grace by Paul, but at, when he left, they began to turn back practically to human effort. They were trading in the gospel for moralism, and Paul writes because he's very concerned about these people, and he should be. There's a simple lesson that you become a Christian by believing the gospel, and then you grow as a Christian by believing the gospel more deeply, not by trying harder. You don't become a Christian through faith and then grow through effort. 
That's the opposite of the teaching here. That's not at all the way it works. When you become a Christian, it is a supernatural work of God's grace in your life that has nothing to do with you. And when you grow as a Christian, it is a supernatural work of God's grace then too. The power source for your daily life is grace, not human effort. You need grace today and then again tomorrow and the day after and the day after every day. But here's the thing. The flesh doesn't like that. You got to know there's a part of you that doesn't like having to rely upon grace day after day. That sinful part of you that wants to be strong and independent on your own without God so that you can take the credit for yourself and so that you can feel like you're in control and not dependent. I mean, we would rather be in control than have to trust God with our lives. And so when there are things that we want to change, we engage our strength and our smarts and our strategies, but we end up overworking and overparenting and overdoing. But what Paul, Paul says here and elsewhere is that when you stop relying on God and when you start relying on yourself instead, what's actually happening is you're stepping out of the realm of the spirit and into the realm of the flesh. You're unplugging, literally, you're unplugging your life from the power outlet because the power cord that connects you to God, that creates the surge of the spirit that you need to live obediently to him is grace. It's not your effort. It's your need. God doesn't help those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible. God works for those who wait for him, Isaiah the prophet says, or to use the language of Galatians 3, you don't get spiritual power by working, but rather by believing, like Abraham there in Galatians 3, 6. Do you remember that story? God promised Abraham a son. He and his wife were barren for years and years, but he grew impatient. And so, though he began in faith and for years trusted God to make good on his promise, he eventually turned to the flesh. He tried to make it happen in his own strength sleeping with one of the servants so that she bore a son, but it was not the son that God had promised. That son, God said later to him, would come through God's power. It would be a supernatural birth, not born according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, quite literally, Galatians 4, 29 says. Now, I've cast Abraham in a negative light. The text holds him up as a positive example. That is because Abraham continued on repenting from that experience in faith, imperfectly. But he continued to believe God and to trust the Lord and to look to him for the strength that he needed for the things he was hoping for. And years later, Isaac was born to his barren wife, Sarah, who by that point was far too old to have children except by the supernatural intervention of God. And that is the way it works. Grace, not moral striving. Grace, not works. You see, the Holy Spirit coming down in Acts chapter 2 means that the power source for daily strength is grace. But let me say this. Grace is not opposed to effort. There is striving. But as Hebrews 4 puts it, striving to rest. There's work, but the work is to not work. And it's hard work not to work, isn't it? It's such hard work to not work. And so a spirit-filled person is active. They do lots of stuff, but in all of their doing, there's an element of believing. And the believing 
and not the doing. The believing is where the power comes from. And so the main work is to be building your believing muscles by engaging in spiritual habits that are designed to continually reorient your heart towards God's grace and away from relying on yourself. This is the work that we do. It's why we read the Bible. We don't read the Bible daily for knowledge merely. We read to find grace. It's the worship liturgy we do together every week and the sacraments, which are signs and seals of God's grace because the daily need, the power source for daily strength is to be reoriented over and over again towards God's grace because that's when the Spirit comes. Now in Galatians 3, Paul tells us how all of this works. He says in verse 1, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. And that's where, that's where it all comes from. And it's what the Galatians were forgetting and falling back as a result into their own works. And the word translated publicly there is literally graphic. And so Jesus Christ graphically portrayed as crucified. In other words, in order to live in the power that I'm describing, you have to see the cross in such vivid colors that it drives you away from relying upon yourself. The cross means vividly that you are not the savior you need to be saved. And there is a savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so A.W. Pink, in his book on the Holy Spirit, he said that the Spirit came down after Christ was lifted up. That in the scriptures, that's the order, but it's also the order in every single life as well. That the Spirit's power falls on you when you exalt Christ in your heart. And what does that mean? Exalting Christ in your heart means admitting your need and stopping your trust being in your own doing and looking instead to the Lord Jesus for everything, then the Spirit comes. Exalt Christ in your heart. Lift him up. And then the Spirit will come down. What good news for us this morning. Outside power coming in. Supernatural change to get started. Daily grace to keep going. Don't lose heart. Keep going. Let's pray together. So, Father, thank you for this good news that you bring to us. Not only the good news of your Son, whom you sent into the world on the rescue mission for all who would put their faith and trust in him, but the good news of the Son ascending and then the Son himself sending his Spirit, his very presence to be not only the person of Jesus beside us, but the spirit of Jesus inside of us, which is far better. What great riches, glorious treasures we have. Think what spirit dwells within you, the hymn writer says. Think think about that. Be, be cognizant, be aware of the power that is surging inside of you if you have faith in the Lord Jesus. And so I pray for my friends who've put their faith in him, that, that, they, would, that they would be able to recognize and access that power in this, in this hard time of, of just day after day, Minutia, the same thing and the same thing, to break free and to know that, that you're doing amazing things, wonderful things in their lives, and to give themselves over to that. And I pray for those who maybe have never experienced the Spirit's power in that way. I pray uh, that, that, that you would move upon them, Father, to cry out to you. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would do what you promised, to send to them the Spirit, that they would have this, this new experience of the spiritual life surging within them, that they too they too might come 
to experience the Spirit's presence and power in them. Oh, how we need you. Oh, how we need you to come uh, and, and call us into this great mission that you've given to us. Thank you for the gift of your Spirit there in Acts 2, coming upon the church for the sake of the church's mission in the world. And so may we now go out working for you, striving to rest in you that you might be glorified in and through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 12 says that since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every weight uh, that hinders and run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That continues to be uh, my prayer for you, for all of us as we endure these days. Uh, But no, uh, we end this service with words of benediction because these are the words that the work of Christ has won for us. They are the promise that God himself has turned towards us. And the the greatest evidence of that and the greatest reality of that is his sending the Spirit into the world and into our lives to be explosive power for the sake of his purposes in and through us. And so receive these words. Uh, They are commissioning to you that even though you're there in your homes, that you're still sent into the world as his ambassadors with good news on your lips. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace, both now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you. Go in his peace.